in person, we'd like to meet you in the chapel after service and pray with you. If you're watching online, you can go to crossroadschurch.family and hit the button that says, I need prayer. Or we also have extended time of prayer on Monday nights with our elders at 7 p.m. That's a really special thing as well. You can meet our elders on Monday night in the chapel at 7 for that. That's right. But right now, let's get ready for week three of I Love My Church. Sawyer, will you help me welcome our senior pastor, Chuck Booer. Pastor Chuck! And welcome, welcome to all of you who are here, all of you who are watching online and everybody out on the patio. And I love that we get to be a church family together. Super excited we get to be here. We're talking about I love my church and I love this church. I love what God is doing here. I love you. I love all the things that are happening. And I want to tell you that, that there are three questions that everybody needs to know the answer to. Uh, whether you've thought about it in a very clear way or you haven't, the bottom line is it's been part of who you are. Wanting to know the three things, uh, the, th the answers to the three questions that everybody is not only going to ask, needs to ask, God wants you to know the answer. He wants you to ask the question. And the question number one is, do I belong? And we want you to belong. And we talked about this last week, that God ultimately has designed the church to be a place where you belong. The second is this, who am I? Who am I? What is your identity? And then the third would be this, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And so, you know what? Today, we want to help you discover for sure that you belong here and that you uh, know who you are because you know in big part that God has given you a spiritual gift. And that's a big part of your identity. And then we also want you to to know your purpose. And again, that spiritual gift is a part of that. So today we're calling it draft day. And if you sign up uh, to be a part of a ministry, we'll help you discover your gift and we'll help you to minister. And you'll be able to get one of these jerseys uh, that we want you to have. But if you don't sign up, then we'll send you this one. <laughs> yeah, for everybody who doesn't sign up, this is your jersey. You know, what's wild is I decided to do this as a joke and the company that's making it, a woman had to make it and she goes, I don't feel right making it. And she goes, I'll make it, but you got to promise to burn it. So, uh, so if you're watching, I we're going to burn this baby uh, later, but, but you know what's, I, I do want to tell you, you're going to hear me talk about it. Jesus said, he goes, you know what? There's a thief that has come to steal and to kill and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. The New Living says, I've come, yeah, praise God for that, that you might live a rich and satisfying life. But I want you to know that we're gonna talk about something that a lot of times reading in the English Bible, you're gonna miss the depth and the power of it that's found in Hebrew, because we're gonna be in the Old Testament. But let me go back to those three questions. Eric Erickson, who uh, uh, is a famous, famous psychologist in studying people, found that people can only be healthy when they answer those questions correctly. So he found out that in studying people in all different cultures and, and, and watching them over the course of many generations now, we found that what Erickson uh, uh, looked at was true. And that is this, that you need to come to a place where you know your identity, uh, and by the way, we're living in a world today where our teenagers are being assaulted. Their identity is being robbed from them, and it's not good. It's not healthy. Because if you don't know your identity, you already know, what do you have? An identity crisis. 
And we're in a world today where people are living in an identity crisis. Then, after you finally really discover who you, you really are, and, and that can only be found with Jesus, and I believe only found in the church, then you're to, to come to a place of real intimacy. That, that you are able to be very intimate uh, with other people and, and live life in relationship. And then the third is to, to know your, your purpose. And Erickson said this, that is ultimately found in something called generativity. Uh, and generativity is when you reach a place in your life where you know you need to be giving back to the next generation. Uh, God actually shows us that in scripture and God wants you and I to discover that. But the problem we have today is so many people are not getting the answer correct. Um, recently, someone I'm very, very close to lost a friend. The man is in his 40s. By uh, everybody else's account, it looked like he was successful. Matter of fact, in his mid-40s, he was able to retire because he invested his money so wisely and was so successful in what he did. He owned a house that was beautiful. He owned a beach house that was gorgeous. But you know what happened when he died? Everybody knew in that moment that there was something big missing. Something that wasn't fulfilled. And this friend of mine said they were sitting in his funeral and the pastor who came out said nothing but empty words. It was a room filled with people that needed hope, that needed better direction. But this pastor said nothing that had any meaning, nothing that mattered. And they sat there cringing inside, looking around at all these other people around them that are heading down that same path and heading down that same road. A life of no meaning. Not even being judgmental, it was all born out of care. Said, I realized it was a life of no value. Could you imagine if you heard God say these words to you? You're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. Now, you might say, Chuck, I can't even imagine the Lord saying that. Well, let me take you to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, and look what it says in 1 Samuel 2, 12. It says, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. They were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. So what is God saying at this point? He's saying they're worthless and they're good for nothing. They have no value whatsoever. God said that about these two men. But it's even to me more important for you to know the literal Hebrew is this. The sons of Eli were sons of Belial. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't want you to miss it. Belial is the name of a demon. Uh, It actually was a title that at one time was even attributed to Satan. But more correctly, it would not be Satan. It would be a demon, a demonic demon force, a demonic presence that causes people to live a life that has no meaning and no value, one filled with deception, one filled with having everything that matters in their life taken from them, so stolen from them or destroyed, thanks. And so the reality is, is God said, I'm looking at these two men and they're good for nothing. They were made for so much. They had such a great purpose, but they weren't even close to fulfilling it. Who were these two men? They were supposed to be priests. 
Uh, they were the sons of Eli, who was the high priest. But the, they, they were evil men. So what happened is when uh, people came to the temple, uh, these men were sexually immoral. And, and they lived lives filled with lust. And, and this is scary. They would molest women. I cannot tell you the number of times I've sat, and it's way too many, with women who say to me, I was molested when I was younger. And I always say, man, I'm so sorry. And they'll go, it's worse than you know. It was a pastor who did it. Does everybody agree that's evil at the depth of evil? And that's who these two men were. They, they were driven by lust. Then on top of that, they, they, when people came to make offerings to God, they would steal their offerings. And you might read that and go, that's bad. But I want you to think through the emotions that were taken uh, in that moment. I mean, here's somebody that wants to come and worship God or somebody that wants to call out to God or somebody that, that just needs God's comfort or help and they bring their offering and the men who were supposed to help them find God's love, comfort, and care stole it from them. And they walked away empty. They just created emptiness. They created harm. They created pain. And uh, they were men who just ended up ruining everything for themselves and everybody around them to the point that one of them would have a child whose name was Ichabod, which meant the glory of God departed. Now, you might say, well, what does that have to do with you? And what does that have to do with me? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're told something that I don't ever want you to forget. You're a priest of God. When you became a believer, you became a Christian, God called you to the priesthood. Did you know that? By the way, women, you're priests of God. Men, you're priests of God. We're told that over and over and over in the Bible. It's that God created you with that and gave you a spiritual gift to go out and make a difference and go out and to show love and care. And God's desire is that you and I would do that and you and I would be a part of that. But those who are sons of Belial miss out on it. Um, if you ever get to go to Israel with us, you get to go to a place uh, that's in the Dead Sea called Qumran, or Qumran, Qumran, right, Gary? Thank you, Qumran. And in Qumran's where we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, which proves, by the way, that the Bible we have today is 100% accurate. And, and that area was populated by a group of uh, people who were very dedicated to God called the Essenes. And so in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have all these books of the Bible, but we also have the writings and the teachings of the Essenes. And in their teachings, they talk about Belial. And they say Belial is insidious. And Belial has three nets he uses to capture people and to take them down. To steal, kill, and destroy. And what are the three nets that Belial uses? Number one is fornication, which is sexual immorality. And what do we know today about that? Sexual immorality ends up destroying intimacy. Remember, one of the things we all ask for is, is do I belong? But those who get caught up in sexual immorality are, have an inability to have true intimacy. Uh, uh, you might say, you know, is that an opinion? No, if you've been around, if there's research that shows how real that is, how dangerous it is, how, tr how true that is. 
And God is saying, that's the last thing he wants for you. If you don't have intimacy, you have loneliness. And do you remember what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18? It is not what? It's not good for a man to be alone or a woman to be alone. Yet we're living in a time of an epidemic of loneliness, which that's where belonging to a church, being actively a part of it matters. Then the next thing that, that Belial uses to trap people is wealth or materialism. The Essenes said, it's the idea of not focusing on that which really does have lasting value, but that which is only temporary in the moment. So the man I told you about who died had wealth, but he wasn't rich in what mattered. And, and so what you and I need to ask is, are we investing ourselves in the right things? And that's where you start to understand your identity. See, your, your identity is not found in what you have. You know what? And some of you ought to be glad. Your identity is not found in your car, right? It's not found in your house. It's not found in your bank account. It's certainly not found in the stock market right now. <laughs> it's, going to... it's not found in your job in reality. It's found in something more important and more vital. And God wants you to have that. God wants you to discover that. But the demonic realm wants to take it from you. And Jesus said, but I've come so you wouldn't have that happen. I've come so you would live knowing you were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And, and so what does the Lord say? The Lord calls you to go out and make a difference in the world you're in and not be good for nothing, but to live lives of incredible meaning that matter, that, that, that make real difference. And by the way, the third thing the Essenes taught that the demonic realm does, that Belial himself does, is he calls for a pollution of the sanctuary. Now, I, I know right now I want you to kind of stop because you might be saying, well, what are you talking about? Well, I think you would distract with me on this. All of us who are Christians, all of us who are Christ followers, your body is the what? Let's try that again. The body is the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Interestingly, the demonic realm wants this temple polluted. Excess alcohol, drugs that cause you not to be able to even know how you really truly feel any longer. By the way, both of those being used in an addictive way take away people's ability to truly trust that their feelings are accurate and true. Why? Because their, their temple is being polluted. And you can't live out your, your life purpose. When you're doing that, by the way, I, am I trying to heap guilt? No, I, I want to say if you're struggling in this area, oh, we couldn't care more than we do. And we want you to be set free. And we have a ministry called Set Free. But, but here's what I want to tell you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But again, I can't tell you the heartbreak I feel when I sit with a couple and their marriage has been destroyed by something like that. Family's been ruined. The last thing that anybody wants, here's gets scary, is the children being around that person who's the parent that's addicted to that because they're not safe. They're not safe. And if you haven't caught what I'm saying, that makes you step back and go, that's not what you were made for. 
If you're a parent, you are made to be a mom or a dad who brings security and safety and love and care. When that stuff gets inside you, it wrecks that and ruins it. And it creates children who, sad to say, for all intents and purposes, are orphaned. For what? For what the demonic wants to occur so you don't live the good. You aren't experiencing the good. You aren't a part of the good. And God has so much more than that for you. Uh, it's interesting that that word, that word Belial actually has the idea of this. It means without value, lacking worth, and here's another term, yokeless. See that word yokeless. I don't want you to miss it uh, because it means you're not under the direction of God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 uh, said this in verse 28, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He said, are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you burdened? Are you carrying the weight of the world? Jesus said, come to me, come to me. And then he says this word, don't, don't miss verse 29, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke. The idea of a yoke was it was put on oxen. Why? So that they would be able to go out and plow a field because that was their purpose. Or to, or to move a cart because that was their purpose. The idea of having the yoke put on you is so you could be under the guidance of a master who protects you, cares for you, but helps you know your purpose and direction in life. See, Jesus said, come to me and I'm going to put my yoke up on you. So I want to ask you a question right now. Is that true for you? Are you someone who's yoked <laughs> or yokeless? And here's where I'm, I think the answer becomes pretty easy. Are you using your spiritual gift? Because if the Lord has you doing what he means for you to do, living out the purpose he has for you, then you will take the spiritual gift you have, match with the personality he has put within you, and the talents that he wants you to use also. And you begin to go out and make a difference in the lives of other people. See, that's what God wants for you, yeah. By the way, think about that. You gotta know it's true that you only live a life worth living if you would do it caring for others. Isn't that right? So if I sit in my house happy that I have all my things, I have my wealth, and I sit in my house uh, you know, fostering things that would pollute this temple, then I'm actually in the hands of a demonic being is destroying everything God has made me for. And God does not want that to be true for you. God doesn't want that to be what happens to you. So here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 15. And you may not have ever understood this verse before, but look at what it says, because now I think you will. It says, what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Now, isn't that interesting? That Paul says right away, hey, those two can't exist together. Those two don't go together. 
You've got to make a choice. Are you committed to Christ or are you in the hands of Belial? Uh, or as the Essenes would say, in the net of Belial. Um, Proverbs 6 actually warns about the sons of Belial too. And it starts with a worthless person. And the literal there is a son of Belial, is a wicked man, is the one who walks with perverse mouth, who winks with his eye, who signals with his feet, who points with his finger, who with perversity in his heart devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore, because of that, his calamity will come suddenly, instantly, he'll be broken, and there'll be no healing. A worthless person, a son of Delial, Belial. By the way, it says they're a wicked person, which is a Hebrew word, a wan, which means this, to pant, to exert vanity and emptiness. In other words, you're using all your energy for something that doesn't matter. And the Lord says, don't do that. Don't live the meaningless life. I've talked about this before, but when the Nazis wanted to break somebody they had in a concentration camp, one of the tortures they used was they would bring the prisoners out and there would be huge mountains of sand. And they would say, I want you to take this sand and and move it over to the other side of the prison. And they would work hard. They would exert energy. They would sweat. They would go to the point of exhaustion, moving the sand all the way to the other side of the prison camp. And then when they were done, what did the Nazis have them do? Does everybody know? Move it back. And you know what, people? It broke them. It broke them because it was so empty, so meaningless. And then I get so concerned for people whose lives are nothing more than moving sand. Nothing more than moving sand. And so you're not living for what matters. You're not good for what God created you for. You're not doing the very thing God wants you to do and experience. And, and God doesn't want that to be true for you. And he doesn't want that to be true for me. And so I want you to think about the idea. Are you living out that purpose? Are you doing what you, you were created to do? Um, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, my life verse is found in Psalm 71, which by the way, if you go to Psalm 71, the heading is the Psalm of an old man. Some of you are going, that's not me. Well, that's me. I sit there going, I'm the old guy. I actually like that. I finally get to be the old guy, you know, but in part of Psalm 71, it says this in verse 17, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. You see, interestingly, that would be what Erickson calls the definition of generativity. That we as who are older, and by the way, do you know what Eric Erickson said? You're older when you're 30. (laughs) At 30, a mature person ought to turn around and say, how do I help the next generation? A selfish person won't. A hurting person probably can't. But you know what? God wants you to be able to do that. So I don't know about you, but I love our church. I love our church. But I love that in this church, I can also walk around and see young children who are in love with Jesus. I can go into the pop-out and see babies crying uh, and our workers caring for them. And, and by the way, you might say crying, crying because they don't want to leave. That's what I told you. I love that. 
I love seeing uh, junior hires and high school students and college students finding their purpose and finding meaning. And by the way, hopefully even finding love here at this church. And, and we invest in that together and we get so excited. Uh, by the way, we have a heritage of that happening that goes back years, but not that many years to, for us to look at. Uh, I think some of you know this, that years ago, uh, I was a part of a ministry where a young uh, gangbanger showed up who was a car thief. His name was Noah Berrigan. And Noah ended up giving his life to the Lord, and he uh, got a job as an electrician, which was a really good job and training and all that. But then all God also began to show him his purpose was caring for others. So Noah, along with Viv and his, his family, what did they do? Yeah. Noah began to lead out our junior high ministry here and did a phenomenal job. But you know what, Noah uh, uh, kept going on the road of life that his purpose was being fulfilled with. So he did a baton pass to a guy named Craig Olson. And so Craig came to be our next junior high pastor. And if you've been around here very long, that baton pass was smooth because what happens, the ministry kept growing. Uh, and which I think is so incredible. Well, then God put a calling on Craig and Christina's heart to go to a church called Bayside. So they did a baton pass to Steve McKinley. Uh, and Steve McKinley took the junior high ministry to even a higher level, right? Uh, and, and so we watched that be you know, transferring of giftedness and, and giving over. And then recently God called Steve McKinley to go to our SIA ministry. So Zach, who's right over here, Zach and Priscilla are leading out in the junior high ministry. Are you ready for this? They just recently did the baton pass. We also right now have the largest junior high ministry in the history of our church. Yeah. Which God's anointed that. So we look at that happen. We look at people discover purpose and, and, and pour into others and, and do great handoffs so the next generation can rise up. Uh, you might say, well, what's happened? Well, Noah, Noah has gone on to lead our Spanish ministry, which now is getting close to a thousand people in our Spanish ministry uh, in what they're doing. And then Stephen has gone on to lead the SIA ministry, our college young adult ministry, uh, which is just a, a soaring and doing amazing, amazing things. And of course, Zach is doing a phenomenal job in junior high ministry. And some of you are going, well, what about that Craig Olson guy? Well, I've got really, really good news for you. God put it on the heart of our elders last spring that we would begin to look for a brand new teaching pastor to join me in teaching you God's word. And we did a call, and Craig Olson said yes. He is going to be coming back to us on staff. <laughs> Welcome, Pastor Craig, right now as he comes up. So we're super excited to have... Welcome, Craig, right now. Give him a big welcome. So December 12th, Craig officially starts. He and I will be teaming on doing teaching Sundays and Wednesdays. We even got his jersey for him. Look at So we got him a jersey, but I want to show you his jersey is a little different. It has... <laughs> I can't believe... I can't believe that you would hold that 666 number. 
I know. How many really, of you guys uh, were shocked that he would actually hold that in his hands? Yeah, I've stayed away as far. Yeah, I know. I agree. But I'm so excited to have you with us, Craig. And it's uh, Craig uh, and Christina and the kids. I think this is home to you guys. Uh, by the way, um, I'm not going to say it. You get to say it. God orchestrated not only they're coming, but at the 11 o'clock service, something special is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever said, maybe you actually thought about this today, right where you sit. You thought, you know what? I know somebody that needs to hear this message today. How many of you have ever thought that? Maybe you even thought that today. Yeah, lots of you. Now, what's interesting is this. I think it's easy to say, I feel like this person needs to hear this message. Oftentimes, we glaze over sometimes the truth that, well, I was here today. Maybe I needed to hear this message today. Because the reality is where you sit and where we stand up here today God is continuing to write your story, and everybody's faith journey is at a different place. That's the beautiful part about our incredible God that we love and we serve. 30 years ago, yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah, praise God. We, got, we all got different stories. 30 years ago, I was seven years old. My sister was four, and my grandparents were not active churchgoers. They didn't have an active relationship with Jesus so my sister and I thought, you know what would be really cool? To give my grandma a Bible. And so we gave my grandma and grandpa a Bible. I don't know if you remember this. This was the NIV Believer's Rainbow Bible. I don't know why it was called the Rainbow Bible, but apparently there's, it was colorful and everything, and we loved that. So we gave it to her. And we continued to invite and invite and invite and invite all the time. Grandma, you got grandma, grandpa, you want to go to church with us? You want to come to Christmas services with us? And most of the time, the answer was, now we're okay. We're okay. There were seeds that were planted over and over and over again every single time. Fast forward to two years ago. My grandma has actually relocated down back to Southern California. And I'll never forget this moment that we were sitting in our, in my parents' living room in Fullerton uh, here in Southern California. And it's Christmas time. And my grandma is sitting across from me in the living room, and she says, hey, Craig, can I ask you a question? Let me ask you a question. Yeah, what, what's up, Grandma? She says this. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> and some of you in here are like, I've thought, the same, I've thought about the same question, absolutely. And first of all, I had two thoughts. I have no idea the answer to that question. That's a great question, by the way. But more importantly, I said, Grandma, where did that question come from? And she says, well, for the past six months, the Bible study that I have been going to, the guy who leads that has been asking question after question after question that are great questions that I just don't know the answer to. And I thought maybe we should have a conversation about this. And so for the last two years, we've been having ongoing conversations about what God has been doing in her life. And just a couple of weeks ago, she calls me up and she says, Craig, I think I, think I need to get baptized. Wow, wow. And so we obviously had shared the news that we were going to be coming back to Southern California, that we'd be rejoining our family here at Crossroads. So I thought, well... We'll be here in January, and so we'll be able to get you baptized. And, and then I stopped myself, and I said, no, you know what? We're going to be there the weekend of November 14th. Let's get you baptized on November 14th. So next service, right over there, I get the privilege of baptizing my grandma. 
which is incredible. Praise God for that. And that's a legacy that has been passed down. And so maybe your legacy starts today by you jumping in and being part of the team. It's draft day. You have the opportunity to go out and I just, I can't even imagine the impact that it could have for the people that live in your very house to see you sacrificially serving, jumping in to be part of a team and the legacy that could start even today. Not because I know somebody that needs to hear this message, but maybe today it was, you know what? I needed to hear this message today. So we're so excited to be back. And uh, gosh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. I, and by the way, I don't know if you feel it. I feel it. You feel it. It was totally God's hand that brought Craig and Christina back at the same time his grandma's going to be baptized Come on. here. Come on. Now, is yep. that pretty cool yep. or what? Yep. Yep. So I'm super, and she's 87. 87. You guys, she's 87. Yeah, I was telling Craig, I met a woman who was 92, and she gave her life to Christ. And I said, that is so incredible. She goes, you know what the best part is? And I said, what? She goes, at 92, I can't sin anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I want you again to let Craig know how excited we are to have him back in our Crossroads family. So in the new year, by the way, one of the series is Craig and I are going to lead together is on spiritual warfare. We're going to take you in depth on Wednesday nights into understanding how you wage and win the war in the spiritual realm. And so he and I will be doing that together. But here's where I want to end right now. I want you to think about this. The sons of Eli were good for nothing. And it's not God saying that in anger. It's not God even wanting to say that in condemnation over, even though it is condemning. It's because it was so sad. They were made for so much more. Their lives could have been so much better. Listen to what the, this verse says about you and me, but you. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You, by the way, are God's masterpiece. The New Living translates that verse this way, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, God doesn't want to say you're good for nothing. God wants to look at you and say, you're so good. And you've done so much that you've made decisions and done things that matter. Because that's what you're created for. And deep inside, we all hunger for that. But it can only be found when you know the Lord and you know his guidance in your life. You take his yoke upon you. So right now, let me say this. I want you to know that when you come to know Jesus Christ, either for the first time or to recommit your life, what you discover is what you were made for. And you were made on purpose by God with a purpose for a purpose so that you might do the things God planned for you to do. And those things will give you joy. And those things will cause you to have excitement. And those things will give you a sense of, of satisfaction. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have this rich and satisfying life. This rich and satisfying life. So right now, some of you need to commit your life to the Lord. You need to say, you know what? I'm going to start living with him and for him. I do want to take Jesus up on his invitation to come to him. 
Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're heavy laden. Maybe you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world. Maybe right now you, you say, you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even know if I want to hear about doing something. But you know why you feel that way? Because you're not doing the right things. It's time to do the right thing. And the number one right thing to do is to give your life to Christ. To make that commitment to be his, either for the first time or to recommit. By the way, God's looking at you and he has so much he wants you to experience. So many incredible things he wants you to know. And he wants to love you and he wants to guide you and he wants to show you what you're meant for. So right now, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus that's real, right now, if you're not living a life that you know, it's this is what I'm meant for, then I'm going to ask you to either commit or recommit your life to Christ. For some of you, you need to do that on your own. For some, you need to do it with your friends. For some, you need to do it with your family or with your husband or wife. Some of you need to let go of the things that are wrecking wrecking your destiny, wrecking your purpose, and harming you. And God can get you free. Some of you got to let go of the pain. You got to let go of the addiction. You got to let go of the, the, the things that right now are causing anxiety or depression. You got to let go of those things. And when you let go and open your hands to God and say, I want to let those go, the Lord will help take them away. And then he'll start pouring into your life love and peace and joy and so much more. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to ask in a minute, if you're ready to say yes to the Lord, that you pray a prayer with me. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. I love you. We love you. And I know you love us. That love is real, true. And Father, I pray right now that there would be some people here who would be willing to make this commitment. Jesus, they would honor what you said and come to you. I know you said come to you, come to you. And I pray today they're going to come to you. And I pray, oh Lord, there'd be something inside right now that lets them know this is their time, this is their moment. So whether you're here or online or on the patio, let me say this. Some of you, I think God's calling. And, and you don't want to walk away from this. You don't want to put this off. So the way you come to him, it starts by praying a prayer. And I'm going to ask you right now, wherever you are, to pray this prayer with me. Whisper it. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. Now, if that's all you can say, say those words. Say, I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you pray Thanks again for joining us. 
If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text AMEN to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.